That's one of those beautiful songs that really can touch the essence of what it means to have the love of God reach down to us, to wash away our sins, and to give us that hope of eternal life with Him one day. The song is beautiful. Implementing it in our lives sometimes takes a dedication, a commitment, and a resolve that we indeed want to be exactly where that song tells us we can be. Paul, as he was writing to the Corinthians, and we've been looking at 2 Corinthians on Sunday morning, and this lesson, we're jumping ahead a chapter. We'll be in chapter 4 for a few moments. When you sing the song as His grace reaches me, and then you read Paul's letter, particularly this second letter to the Corinthians, And you put the two together. You catch a little bit of that depth. The patience. And the love that God has. For his people. We sometimes have that false impression that in becoming a Christian... Problems are resolved. Troubles go away. Life is pleasant. And all is good and well in the house of God. And then again you read, you can start with Genesis 3. And read on to find out that that has not always nor shall it be the case here on this earth. Look particularly, if you will, at verses 16 through 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though the, our outward man is perishing, yet that inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. As you read on or read earlier in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, Paul being in Asia and despairing even of his life, believing the next step was death itself, 
in order that he might learn not to trust in himself, but in God who raises the dead. A bit later in 2 Corinthians, you're going to read of the, some of the things that he endured for being a child of God in the, in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet he says, this momentary light affliction from the human perspective is hard to grasp. It's hard to comprehend or to wrap our mind around the things that he went through as being a momentary light affliction. And that it produces in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. It's the idea of focus. It's where do you set your mind and what does it dwell upon? We've always had those on the earth that are looking for that perfect place. There have always been programs out there that people have tried in one form, shape, or fashion to, to implement that would give that perfect society where everything is, goes well and there's no problems, but it, doesn't, it does not exist and the essence that the human beings are looking for it. But there is something that is there for this, for the children of God. But it's reminding us to walk with Him. To make that commitment. Where He leads, I will follow. He left us an example to follow in His steps. There's nothing he's placed upon us that is greater than we can bear. In every temptation, he has provided the, the way of escape. But the temptation is there. And at times, it can seem overwhelming. There are times, again, when life seems to crush us. Paul is saying, I despaired even of life. We felt that the next step of whatever it was he was going through was death itself. And always when you have that phrase, in order that we might learn mm, not to trust in ourselves. That's what it's all about. We want to go through life trusting in our talents, our intellect, our ability to reason, whatever else it may be, to see us through, to see us work things out. And it's not within us to direct our steps. Ours, again, is to follow in the, the steps of the Master, to put our trust in Him and to believe that indeed He will see us through. Not losing heart in the midst of our Christian life. 
again is a result of our setting our faith in the proper place. Of committing ourselves to the one who does know. I mentioned many times that there's no way for us to speculate. No way for us to even catch a glimpse of what's involved in God working in our life. We see, we hear, we feel the adversities of life in the fleshly body. And it's hard for us to really push those out of our mind. That power of positive thinking does not always work. Have that mi- the right mindset and everything will go okay. Paul is saying that's not the case. We despaired of our life. That's not the power of positive thinking. But it's in order that we might learn some lessons, and that's what goes on in our lives today. Is what goes on is are we learning lessons of not trusting ourselves? but of trusting our God. Keep your focus on the things that are eternal, not the earthly. We know that in the physical realm, but we just keep forgetting it. I mean, we do the same thing in the physical realm. We forget the things that are temporary because they they pass by. And our, and our attention gets focused on something else, and then that passes by, and then the attention focuses on something else, and that passes by. And we forget that all that we go through are the temporary things, whatever they may be. And at the times we go through them, at the times they seem almost insurmountable odds. But to have that conviction that Paul would express, I know in whom I have believed... And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know in whom I have believed. I keep the focus on that which is eternal. God, Christ. His church, the spiritual aspect of it is eternal. And I know where to go. We sing the song, where could I go but to the Lord? Well, we know that. That's what we sing. Now walk with him. And yet we still let those earthly things creep in. And cause us to take the focus off of where it ought to be. Along that line, I think about Peter on the sea and the, and the storm raise, uh, raging, the winds are howling, the waves are beating against the ship, the sea Jesus coming, and Peter says, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. And the Lord says, come. Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking. We've talked about it before. I don't know about you. I don't know about getting out of the boat. 
Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. The wind was always there, blowing tremendously. The waves were always there high, beating over the bow of the ship. They were, that was always there while Peter was walking when he got out of the boat and while he was walking on the sea. Nothing had changed. But when Peter saw the waves and heard the wind, he began to sink. What happened? Took the focus off of where he was wanting to go. Looked at what was going on around him and began to sink. Remember the words of the Lord? And uh, you've heard me say before, I did not know how far Peter walked. I do know he walked far enough or close enough to the, to the Lord that when he began to sink, the Lord just reached out his hand and lifted him up. Just reached out his hand. How close is that? Almost. And there's a song that was saying along that. Almost, but lost. Got that close to the Lord. And what did the Lord tell him? O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? How often could that be say about, said about us? How often in the midst of storms, recognizing who creates them, who's in control of them, and who has the power? Why in the midst of storms do we doubt the Lord? We oftentimes try to find the shortcut I would rather learn the lesson without going through the experience to gain the lesson. Seems to me to be a lot easier. Having to learn to trust the Lord who raises the dead. To have to come within an inch of your life just to learn that lesson. Or those troubles that are out there. The troubles over which we have no control or very little control. And ours is having to, to trust him that indeed he will see us through. Keep your focus on that rich inheritance that you have in Christ. Peter would tell us over in 1 Peter 1 verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, 
If need be, you have been grieved by various trials. His abundant mercy, a living hope, an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away. And then those three key words, reserved in heaven. Where is that? We want heaven on earth. (laughs) We want all the pleasancy here. We want all that joyous fellowship we'll have with all the saints in glory, with the angels singing glorious songs unto the Father. We want that here. Telling us there's no problems that we have to deal with. That's not here. It's reserved in heaven for us. Do we have the patience? Do we have the trust? Do we have the love that will cause us to greatly rejoice in that which is to come? Things down here that we anticipate, long for, strive for, eventually sometimes achieve, are never that long-lasting. Looking around trying to see, I would doubt seriously that there are many people here who live in the same home in which they grew up in. Or are driving the same car that they first had. Or whatever else it may be. And the things that we long for Sometimes when they arrive, they're not exactly what we thought they were going to be. Do we have that absolute trust that God, without a moment's hesitation, keeps his word? He's promised you a home in heaven. A place that is reserved for you. Ours is to get there. But we do not go there or get there by our own power. And sometimes we need that reminder. Again, there's no way for us to understand or to comprehend or to fully grasp how much God works in the lives of each one of us, helping us through the trials, the tribulations, the setbacks, the glorious anticipations, and the joys and the rewards, how much he is involved directly in working with us. I stumble. I fall.
Do I fuss about the stumbling and the falling? Or do I realize there's some lessons in there? Why did I stumble? And why do you fall? Because I wasn't looking where I was going. Why do I fall spiritually? Because I'm not looking where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I do not want some obstacle to interfere with that. So keep the perspective right. And to realize that joy that we have there. To be able to see whatever it is as a momentary light affliction. The Bible uses the illustration of a woman in labor pains. The anguish that goes with that. I don't know about that. I know what it's like to be in the delivery room and not to give the birth. To have a wife that likes to bite the arm. But after the baby comes, all of that is gone, is it not? For the joy of a new life. That's a description of here. It has its pains. But in the pain, is there not a joy of knowing the end result of that? Heaven. Is it not worth it? Momentary light affliction, that eternal weight of glory, far beyond comparison. And it's so easy because we have the physical eyes to see with the physical eyes. It's easy to do what, not to do what Paul was saying in the fifth chapter chapter of 2 Corinthians verse 7. We're to walk by faith and not by sight. We like to walk by sight. And so because we do like to walk by a sight, if you will, that's why we've been given scriptures. Here, read, read, get your sight, get your focus. What you have reserved in heaven for you. The hope that you're given here, the help that you're given here. That in a moment where it looks like death is coming your way, do I realize, is God teaching me to trust in the one who raises the dead? To teach me the one who soothes the soul that's pained? To go through those agonizing moments in the physical life with family and loved ones. Not to, in some form, shape, or fashion, catch a glimpse of the Garden of Gethsemane. The cross of Calvary. 
and the darkness of the sky at noontime while the Son of God hung on a tree. And then what? Then came the resurrection. Then came the ascension back to the Father. Then came the affirmation that that glorious Savior sits at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession, pleading your case before the Father. Father, this is a child of yours. Here is one who I died for, washed away their sins. Heaven is now their home. Wash away the sins that they've committed through the blood that I shed in order that they can be with me one day. Scriptures are given to us for comfort and for hope. They're given to us for a challenge. You read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You look at chapter 1. You look at chapter 11, chapter 12. You catch a glimpse of what's involved. And then you go to 2 Timothy 4. Verses 7 and 8. I fought the fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. Now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, has promised to me. And not to me only, but for all of those who love his appearing. Is that you? Is that you this evening? One who loves his appearing. Is it for me, dear Savior? Is it for me? He shed his blood. Yes, for you. Is it for me to have a hope of eternity? Yes, through the blood that he shed. That we trust him, believe him, willingly submit to him. Strive to do his will and to have that attitude. God is my father who watches over me. What can the world do? All they can do would be to enhance the glory that I have coming. Where is your life this evening? If it needs to be changed, draw closer to God, commit that life to God, reassure that life with God, whatever that need may be. If we could assist you, if we could help you. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.